following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10.30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Well, hey, good morning again. Uh, welcome to Team Purple. We're excited to have you guys here. Uh, but just want to let you know, typically at our, during our service, we take some time now to uh, open up the scriptures. We open up the Bible, and we look at how those scriptures apply to our life. And today's no exception for that. We're going to do that in just a second. But I wanted to let you know about something really cool that's happened. Over the past 10 days, we've had a small team from West Pines touring Israel. And Pastor Roby's been one of the people who's been able to lead that team. And uh, they've learned some really amazing and exciting things. And the scriptures we're going to talk about today actually take place at a couple of the sites they went to in Israel and a couple of places they were able to experience. So today's no exception to what we typically do. We are going to go through a couple of scriptures. Uh, if you've got your listening guide in your bulletin, all the scriptures are outlined there. Or if you use the Version app, you can find it all right there. Uh, but rather than standing here and going through those scriptures with you in person today, we wanted to share some of the experiences that team has had in Israel with you. So in just a moment, we're going to watch a clip here on this giant screen behind me, and you'll be able to talk about and experience these scriptures from the places where they took place, which is really exciting. Uh, But before we do that, let me go ahead and pray for us, uh, and then we'll get started doing that. All right, so let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are so much more wise than we are. God, that you give us your scripture, and not only does it help us understand how to live life today, but God, it also echoes your name through all of history. And Lord, as we look at that, and as we try to understand that today, I pray that you would first, Lord, that you give us wisdom to be able to understand what you're doing and saying these scriptures. And God, I pray that you open our hearts up to understanding what you want us to learn and what you want us to take away from this as well, Lord, that we would walk away changed. And God, I thank you that you desire to intimately interact with all of us today through your word and through your message. Lord, we love you and pray this all in your name. Amen. So let's go ahead and take a moment now and watch this video with me. Hello church, a small team from West Pines got the opportunity to go on a research trip here to Israel. I'm actually standing right in front of Jerusalem. So we thought we'd take the opportunity of being here and share with you some of the things that we're learning. So we're going to talk about the importance of the sea. We're going to share a couple stories from the Bible that take place right here, show you where they took place. So we're very excited for you to go on this adventure with us. The sea is enchanting. It's a place swirling with legend and wonder. It locks away its secrets. The true stories are probably even more phenomenal than the myths. And only the mountains on the shoreline and the rocks at the sea's floor are witnesses to all of the adventurous episodes generation after generation. The sea is a world all its own. Sea life can be filled with color and beauty that rivals anything else we've discovered. Sea creatures can be graceful and delicate, but also powerful and fierce. The sea is a place of beauty and peace, but it's also a place of great danger. When we enter its world, even with something as simple as being on a fishing boat or going to the beach, we respect that we can be dominated so quickly. We can be easily subdued by the sea. It contains beasts that with very little effort outmatch us. Its monsters can 
dart out from the dark to bite you, sting you, eat you, or just swallow you whole. Think about it. When you're in water, you are literally suspended and susceptible to attack from any direction. But it's not just what the sea contains that can overwhelm us. It can be the sea itself. Once it has you surrounded with no land in sight, it can swallow you. The power of the sea is almost unmatched. It can stir up waves like mountains. It can pull you into the deep recesses and crush you under the weight and pressure of its innumerable fathoms. And those are the things we know about. Because above all, the sea is a mystery. We can only guess what secrets it keeps in its depths. We can only wonder what creatures it has kept hidden from us in its vast darkness. So with all of that, it's not surprising that the ancients saw the sea as a potent symbol. It was seen to represent that which cannot be tamed. It's uncontrollable. In fact, more specifically, many ancient cultures saw the sea as a symbol of chaos. In the Hebrew Tanakh, what we call the Old Testament, to go down to the depths of the sea was a metaphor representing the descent into death destruction, and even hell itself. Sailors throughout history have been known for their superstitions. Being at the mercy of the sea was not taken lightly. Even the most seasoned seafarers knew what a vulnerable and potentially devastating situation they were trekking into. The most terrifying possibility of all was facing the full fury of a storm on the sea. Storms on land are frightening enough, but with howling winds above you, towering waves around you and nothing but deadly, mysterious darkness beneath you, you're surrounded. If the mountains along the shorelines of the sea could speak, they would tell us of the incredible adventures they have witnessed. These mountains would tell the tales of the brave who faced the sea and the evils it threw at them. If the mountains could talk, they would tell us some thrilling storm stories. Most of us will not face the terrors of a real-life storm on the sea, but many of our real-life scenarios are not totally unlike that. Life has storms. It can feel like it's swallowing us up. It can feel like chaos. We can feel batted around like all we can do is wait to sink into the abyss. Life can quickly overwhelm us, leaving us struggling to find hope. Maybe there's a storm in your life right now. The Bible records two sea storms that are especially helpful for those of us surviving our own torrents and tempests. The first story begins in a town on the coast of the Mediterranean. The town is called Joppa. One of the most well-known sea storm stories in the whole Bible is the story of Jonah. You may be familiar with the story. Jonah is out at sea, he's on a boat, and the storm comes in, it's raging, and they actually take Jonah and throw him into the water, and he gets swallowed by a whale. It's a pretty famous story. Well, here's the story from Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. 
But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and they each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea shall quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. In the story of Jonah, God calls him to go preach to the people of Nineveh. Now, where is Nineveh? Who are these people? Nineveh is the capital city of the ancient empire of Assyria, which would be modern-day Iraq. So from here in Israel, that would be to the east. Well, Jonah decides he doesn't want to go preach to the Ninevites, to these Assyrians who are the enemies of Israel. He doesn't want to preach to them. So he comes here to the city of Joppa, to the port city. And this would be about seven to 800 years before Christ. And he came here because of the port. And you can see there's some rocks out in the water. Those are actually the ruins of the ancient port of Joppa. So that's the actual port that Jonah came to so many thousands of years ago. And he came here, and the reason is he wanted to catch a ship. He wanted to get on a boat and go to Tarshish. And Tarshish is is a city that is in modern-day Spain. So God called him to go to the east, and he went about as far west as he could possibly think of to get away from God. Well, of course, you know the story. He's out on the sea, and an incredible storm comes raging up. The wind is swirling around. The waves are towering in, crashing on the boat, threatening to break the boat and send it into the abyss below. And the sailors are panicking. They're even to the point where they're throwing cargo off the ship to try and save it. 
Well, as they're running around frantic, they find Jonah in the boat, down in the bow of the boat, asleep. And the captain wakes him up and says, what are you doing? You're sleeping. We're all about to drown. And they drag him up back on deck. And they're all trying to figure out whose fault is the storm? Why is the storm happening? And they figure out that it's Jonah. And Jonah says, look, I'm running from my God. And my God is the God of all the universe, including the sea. And he says, if you want this storm to stop, you're going to have to throw me into the ocean. And reluctantly, they pick Jonah up and they throw him into the sea. And in that instant... This raging storm stops. Now, can you imagine what that would have been like? I mean, you're just in the midst of this horrendous storm. You're being washed around the deck. It's about to break the boat apart. And in a split second, it stops. Well, what do you think the reaction was? Of course, they were terrified. What just happened? I mean, who's this God that this guy, Jonah, is running from? Well, he's obviously a God that can tame and control the mysterious uncontrollable, untamable sea. And so they were afraid and they feared God. Now this story, all the details in the story sound remarkably similar to another storm story in the Bible that also takes place on a sea. But to hear that story, we've got to go to the Sea of Galilee. is the Sea of Galilee and it is the spot of so many memorable moments in the ministry of Jesus. I mean this is the spot on the shore of the Sea of Galilee is the spot where he called the disciples to drop their nets and follow him and become fishers of men. It's the spot that on two occasions he told them to cast their nets over the side of the boat and the nets filled with so many fish they could hardly haul it in. This is the spot where Jesus meets the disciples in the middle of the of the sea by walking on the water. This is the site of so many memorable things that Jesus did. But one of the most memorable things that Jesus did happened in a storm. The disciples are on the boat and Jesus is on the boat with them and a storm very quickly swirled up. And you can see by looking at the landscape of the Sea of Galilee why a storm can happen so quickly. The Sea of Galilee is already hundreds of feet below sea level, but it's also lined with mountains, which means the wind comes over the mountains and quickly descends, and that can make a storm, as that, that down push of air can make a storm happen very, very quickly. Well, here's the storm story from Mark chapter 4. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
as you heard from that story, the storm was threatening to break apart that boat. It would have been terrifying. A storm at sea is terrifying no matter what size boat you're on, but the disciples were probably on a very small boat. And what's interesting is archaeologists have found here in the Sea of Galilee a boat that dates back to about the time of Jesus. So you can actually see what a boat looked like, the type of boat that Jesus would have been on. In 1986, there was a drought here at the Sea of Galilee, and the waters had descended so much that there were some fishermen that noticed what looked like to be some wreckage. And when they began to to dig it up, they found an ancient boat that scholars date back about 2,000 years to the time of Jesus. It took them years and years to bring it up meticulously. And when they did, you have the boat that you see behind me, which is affectionately known as the Jesus boat boat. And you can see it's not very large at all. It could fit maybe a dozen people on it. But this is the exact type of boat that Jesus would have sailed on back and forth across the Sea of Galilee to preach. This is the type of boat that Peter would have owned for his fishing company, and he would have hauled the fish in to his boat. In fact, when Jesus was pushed back on the boat to preach to the crowds on the shoreline, that's when Jesus told Peter to toss the nets on the other side. It would have been a boat like this that they pulled nets teeming with fish into the boat. This is an incredible find here that we can that can help us picture the type of boat that Jesus was on throughout the Gospels. And it's probably the type of boat that Jesus was on when a great storm came up on the Sea of Galilee. Imagine you're on the boat with Jesus here on the Sea of Galilee. And while they're moving away from shore, that great storm comes up, the wind rushing over the mountains. Maybe they just saw the clouds start to get ominous. Maybe they're looking back and forth at each other, starting to get nervous because the storm came up on them so quickly. And all of a sudden, the the sea, this sea right here, it starts to get a little bit more choppy. It starts to bounce the boat more and more, and the winds start to swirl even harder and harder, and they're getting more and more nervous. And then their worst fears are realized. It's a furious storm at sea. And the waves start hitting the side of their little fishing boat, and now they're crashing over the top. And it says that the, the, the seas are so strong, it's threatening to break the boat apart. Now imagine a a small boat that's only able to carry about a dozen or so people in this sea. It's about to break apart. Imagine how terrifying that would be. And they're frantically, they're doing anything they can to to make, make it to the other side without sinking down into the chaos of the abyss. And where do they find Jesus during all of this frantic struggle? Is he panicking? Is he frantic? No, he's at total rest. He's just resting and he's actually asleep in the bow of the boat. And so what do they say to Jesus? They, they come and say, Jesus, are, are, do you even care that we're perishing? We're, we're dying here. We're about to drown. Do you even care? Jesus wakes up. He calmly walks, looks out over the, over the bow of the boat, and it says he rebukes the wind. He commands it. He tells it to stop. It says immediately this howling storm that's about to sink their boat, immediately it just ceases. It just immediate stops and it goes calm like glass. This, these waters here, peaceful in an instant. From a hurricane to perfect calm. 
Can you imagine what that would have been like? I mean, I think they would probably be more terrified that it just stopped than it was actually the storm itself. And what was their reaction? Jesus turns around and looks at him and says, Why were you so afraid? Do you still have so little faith? And that passage in Mark, it leaves us with this question. The disciples are looking back and forth at each other. And they're saying, who is this man that even the wind and the sea obeys him? A powerful moment in the life of Jesus. So they learn something about him in this moment that they hadn't known before. And this story sounds remarkably like the story in Jonah. A lot of the details are the same. The stories of Jonah and Jesus are both stories of prophets who get on boats and go out into the sea. Of course, Jonah is a prophet of disobedience, running from God, and Jesus is in complete obedience to God, but both have storms that come on them. In the story of Jonah, there's, there's the wind that comes on the boat on its way to Tarshish. On the story of Jesus, the storm comes on them as they're on the Sea of Galilee. The wind is swirling around. The waves are breaking over the boat, the boats, and threatening to break them apart. And in both stories, the sailors are panicking. They're all trying to save their boats. The story, the, in the story of Jonah, the sailors from Tarshish are throwing cargo over the side to try and keep it from sinking. In the story of Jesus, the sailors, the disciples, are also panicking. And in both stories, Jonah and Jesus are both asleep in the midst of the storm. But it's when they both are awoken by the sailors, frantic, that are wondering why and how they're sleeping in the storm, it's when they wake up that the stories diverge. They get different. When Jonah wakes up, they have to throw him into the water. And the moment they do, God calms the storm. But when Jesus gets up, he speaks to the storm. He speaks to the wind and the waves, and he calms the storm instantly. They come back together and, and with the same detail. In both stories, the sailors are afraid. That's their reaction to what happens. The sailors from Tarshish immediately fear God, the God that Jonah was running from. And immediately they make vows and vow to make sacrifices to this God. They, they fear and they're in awe of a God who's that powerful. But in the story of Jesus, they're in awe of him. And they end, the story in Mark ends with this powerful question. What sort of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Well, as we look around the Sea of Galilee, look at these mountains around and the rocks on the shore, they know the answer to this. Now, I want you to jump ahead with me to later in Jesus' ministry. It's actually the final week of his life. And he's entering into Jerusalem, and it's the week that as he's entering in, by the end of the week, he'll be hanging on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. And then on the third day, he'll rise again from the dead. But as he's entering into Jerusalem on a Sunday, it's called Palm Sunday, he's entering in on a donkey, and people are receiving him. A crowd is cheering, welcoming him in. They're, they're laying down palm branches. They're laying down their coats before him as he's riding in, and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're proclaiming he is the Messiah. He's sent from God. They're cheering as he's coming in. And some of the religious rulers stop Jesus and say, rebuke them for cheering that. Rebuke them for calling you the Messiah. Rebuke them for quoting that scripture at you. And here's what Jesus' response is in Luke chapter 19. He says, if they keep quiet, even the stones 
will cry out. I love that imagery of the stones, the earth, the mountains itself. They know who Jesus is. See, in answer to that question, what sort of man is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? The answer is simple. No ordinary man could speak to the wind and the seas and have them obey instantly. Before we leave the sea, there's an important truth that we have to take with us. Because when it comes to storms, sometimes the same adjectives we use to describe storms are the same adjectives we'd use for our lives. Maybe you've seen ominous clouds coming over the horizon towards you. Maybe you just got news that, man, this is going to be a difficult season. Or maybe you already feel the waves making the boat in your life rocky. You're already starting to rock back and forth and you're starting, maybe waves are starting to crash over the bow and you're having to, to bail out already. Or maybe there's actually cargo in your life you have to get rid of just to even survive. You're already seeing that, man, much more of this, my little boat that I'm on is going to break apart and I'm going to fall into the water. And I, you're threatened to, be, to sink down into the depths, down into the chaos. Or maybe you say, man, I've already hit the water. I'm already sinking down. I'm, I'm already suspended in the darkness with, with enemies attacking me from all sides. But see, these stories tell us an important truth. It's a truth that these mountains around the, the sea understand. It's that there's one who's not just a man. He's not just a prophet. He's the one who created the wind and created the seas. He's God himself, and he's looking down on us. And the good news is he, he knows what we're going through. It's not because he's just, he's not just standing on the shore saying, oh, you can make it. He's not just looking down saying, I, I, I believe in you. I, I'm going to be watching and see what, ha what happens in your life. It's actually he's climbed into the boat and promises to go through it with us. And it means that every wave that hits our boat and rocks the boat or any wind that that threatens to topple us over. He's feeling those winds with us and he's walking through that with us. And we know, we don't know how many waves that are going to continue to crash the boat, but we know that at just the right moment, he's, he can step in and he can calm everything in an instant. And so the question for us, knowing that he's in the boat with us, the knowing that whatever you're going through right now in your life, whatever the storm is that you're going through, there's one who loves you, who's in the boat with you, who has all power in the universe. He's going through this with you. And so we can ask this question for us. Why are, why are we afraid? We have nothing to fear. For many, the sea has been a symbol of uncontrolled chaos. It's a place to fear, a place of unpredictable danger. It's a place that no one can control. But if these mountains could talk, if these rocks could testify to what they've seen, if the mountains here on the shores of the Sea of Galilee could tell you what they witnessed, they would tell you of a man who rebuked the storm. They would tell you they saw someone that the raging sea obeyed. The storming waters heard the voice of their master and immediately they submitted. These mountains have seen the one who does control the uncontrollable sea.
the one who brings order to the chaos. Maybe you're in a storm. Do you know who is in the boat with you? He's completely at ease, completely at peace, not frantic, not panicking, but at rest, because the waves and the wind still know his name. And that leaves each of us with one simple question, the question he asked his disciples. He leaves that question with you today. Why are you so afraid? What sort of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? He is God. He is the Lord of all creation. His name is Jesus. It's an incredible thing, isn't it, that the same voice who made those seas calmed them right there in Galilee. And that same God who's able to do that, that same person in Jesus offers to be part of your life and and wants to be in the boat in your life when you're going through storms as well. And he knows what's going on. He sees the storm that you're in or that you're about to be in or that's swirling around in life around you. And he's calm. He's calm because he's able to do something about it. And he's calm because he knows that he's in control. And that leads all of us to ask the question, that same question, why are we afraid? What is it in our life that we don't trust God with? Why is it that we're not trusting him in the storm that we're in? Now, in just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to respond today. In a few moments, I'm going to invite all of you to come forward. And in this trough that's here are rocks. And you can pick up one of these rocks out of the water as a reminder to you today that even these, these rocks will testify when you, when you feel silent, that Jesus is Lord. They know their maker. They know the one who made them. And you can bring that home today as a reminder. But for some of you, you may feel like you're not sure. You feel like all the storms you've weathered in life, you've had to take on on your own. You hear this metaphor of Jesus being in the boat with you, and you, you think that's great, but I don't really know him. Well, today you can have the opportunity to get to know him. Today, you can put your faith in him and know that he will be with you through all of the storms in life. And here's how you do that. It's simple. Scripture tells us if we just believe in God and we we ask him to be a part of our life, that he will, that he'll do that. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now. So with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're all going to be praying right now. And if you today want to begin that relationship with God, I want you to pray this prayer after me silently in your heart, not out loud, just quietly in your heart. Pray this, Jesus, I can't go through these storms in life alone anymore. I need you in my life. I need you to be a part of my life. I need you to be in the boat with me. And God, I thank you for doing that. I believe you are who you said that you are, And I put my trust and my faith in you. Thank you, Jesus. If you just prayed that right now, I want to pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you love us and that you care for us. In all of the storms in life, that you are with us and that you are calm. God, we know that you are in control. We know that we can put our faith and our trust in you. But God, help us put our trust in you. Help us grow in our faith with you and help us remember that you are with us 
in the midst of all of our storms. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen. Now I'm about to invite all of you to come up here and pick up one of these rocks. But today, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just today for the first time began a relationship with Jesus, I want you to pick up one of these white rocks. I want you to pick this up as a reminder. Every time you see one of these rocks, it should be a reminder to you that God is in control, that you don't have to be afraid, that he's in the boat with you in the storms in life, and that he is calm and you can trust him. And even when you feel like you can't say anything, God can use stones because they know their maker and they can praise him. So I want to invite you all now to go ahead and stand up and you can begin coming forward and picking up one of these rocks. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321. Or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.